0: Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Kelly Catfish Groves. Let's
1: rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Welcome to Driven Radio. I am Brett Hatfield, and you're not. I'm here in Driven Radio <laughs> Studios in Overland Park, Kansas with our intrepid engineer and co-host, Mr. Catfish Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Yep, yep. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear more of, please tell us uh we still want you to send us some pictures and the stories about your cars let us see your projects your cruisers your show cars racers whatever you got sitting in the garage we want to see it if you've got a really interesting story maybe we'll put you on the show we can always use more guests
0: and remember also that, you know, I, sometimes I feel like we put pressure. If it's, it's better be a really interesting story, you know what? Your story's going to be interesting. Just share. Your
1: story's going to be interesting. Bring it up. And it, that doesn't mean your car has to be spectacular because you hear some interesting stories around some true crap boxes.
0: Oh, dude, I, over at KCAM, this was months ago uh, before their last uh, Cars and Coffee. I spent about 15, 20 minutes talking with a guy about this Rambler. That he had brought that was you know minty which means it's basic and ugly
1: and (laughs) and it was cool it was just
0: the coolest car and coolest story
1: so yeah send us your stories you can send them to brett at readthedriven.com we want to see what you got we want to know that you're listening uh send us your pics send us your stories uh, so what have we all done in cars this week? Have you done anything, Mr. Corey?
2: Actually, I kind of took it a little more easy. So the 4th of July is kind of, you know how women tend to have like not just one anniversary, but it's an anniversary that this happened and this happened and this happened and that happened. <laughs> so we have like four anniversaries, Aww. two of them lie on the 4th of July and I was smart enough to make one of them the same as another date oh no nice. so I only have three dates instead of four uh-huh. anyway so we, we we took the time and it was just about just the wife and I we went out and you know what I hadn't taken any pictures of the newer car we have so we kind of went around Kansas City and we just cruised had fun time went to the park had some lunch and just shot pictures randomly as we drove around cool so that's pretty much that was it. Dude, nice It's it's better than
0: a lot of folks did Mr. Mark I've been throwing lures into dry damn wells (laughs) (laughs) Honest to God I I swear, I don't know if it's because it's cruising season now or what But uh, uh, Facebook has just dried up People, let go of your Mopars It's okay At a cheap price Yes, shut up (laughs) Let Mr. let Mark look at them and try to buy them from you Because, uh, oh my goodness, uh, I have been just hammering it left and right and it's it's pretty dry i I don't want to hear it i found you one to buy i still what i mourn over is that one that went over to the netherlands and uh, and i should have bought that son of a gun i should have just ponied up the money and then you know time to hop on a plane man yeah yeah go get it you know live and learn
1: a lot of those cars (laughs) have made their way over to europe and they seem to be absolutely nuts for american muscle especially 50s and 60s stuff yeah
0: yeah, so, so so stop it. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, other than that uh I've had I had a actually a, you know pretty good week, had a pretty good weekend and you know uh, went to M uh, KCAM Kansas City Auto Auto Museum Cars and Coffee on July 4th morning and got to see a lot of cars and walk around and it was it felt good,
2: dude. Yeah, I bet. it yeah. really did. I almost made it and decided to sleep in. Uh, <laughs>
1: you weren't I, I, the other one. <laughs> I didn't decide to sleep in. It just happened. Uh, the, 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 like we talked about last night, I may have been possibly somewhat overserved on Friday night. That tends to happen <laughs> when you got company in town and i woke up uh saturday morning my eyes felt like a couple of pee holes in the snow so <laughs> good times <laughs> uh, we got a lot going on this week we've got news about the death of a lincoln the latest peak at the new bronco why you can't clone a demon harbor freights jack stands do it again oh, Lordy. lord lord <laughs> and uh and the woodward dream cruisers say nah we ain't staying home uh it, our special guest this week is Tom Cotter. He's the host of Haggerty's Barn Find Hunter series, and Tom has done just a little bit of everything. He is a really amazing car guy. He'll be here to talk about being an author, a teacher, uh, to talk about the YouTube seri- being a YouTube series host, and uh, finding some of the world's most incredible barn finds. Uh, we got a lot to cover this it's week, so, cool. so let's get going.
0: The Lincoln Continental, the massive, beautiful yeah, Lincoln Continental, awesome dead. Oh, crap. Dead again. Crap. You know, uh, at, at Ford Theater. I don't know. You tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, dead,
1: dead, dead, dead. Your Lincoln car is dead.
0: <laughs> Lincoln Motor Company confirmed Wednesday, uh, uh, today, uh, it will end production of the Continental at the end of 2020 as the luxury brand abandons sedans. Crap. I know. And we were just talking before we were recording this. Wow, so they're not about... going
2: to have any sedans. No. No. No.
0: No, no Lincoln sedans. W tf so the uh we were talking earlier uh 2019 they came out with that suicide door version yeah uh which just is wicked cool awesome even if it does have that big honking pillar up the Mm -hmm. middle in most of them i think it's some some customs where they removed it yeah and the pillarless ones are just kicking but that uh, either way it's just so big and classy it is it's gorgeous and it's bye-bye and it's gone Uh, you, well, U.S. sales of the Continental slowed in recent years. Customers have gone to the brand's crossover lineup. You know, we're talking the MKZ uh, is going to also end. So, so the, that was the
1: other sedan they had. Yeah. Uh,
0: they brought back the Continental in 2016 as a flagship vehicle for Lincoln. You know, it's like, yeah, you're back. Come on, baby. And it was the first product to include. Dig it. 30-way massaging seats. Oh, 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 oh Can you imagine? It just holds you like a baby. I just want
2: one, one of those when I'm watching TV. I'm wondering if we can find
1: a Crash <laughs> Continental and just rip the seats out of the stuff. Yeah, side. there you go. Oh, put my God, the that's studio. brilliant. Yeah, we could get rid of these in
2: the we, studio. We could be doing a, a show on. like this. you oh, are you doing, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> it's a magic
0: fingers car. <laughs> I'm on it. Here, See? you got to put 50 cents in the back of the seat. <laughs> Sales hit over 12,000 units in 2017, but then just kept falling, and it just wasn't enough. So uh, go awesome. kiss your... Continental goodbye. Hey, but they still sell in China.
2: How how long do they make the Continental? Anybody know? That's that's awesome. awesome. (laughs) You guys know how long they made the Continental for? Uh Oh (laughs) I was about to say twenty (laughs) three (laughs) feet.
1: There you go. Tuna bum Um First Continentals uh they had as a standalone brand, and I want to say, keep stalling I'm gonna google it uh, i you know i'm not sure i'm not sure but uh, i ask. well there may have been one in the 40s if i'm not mistaken
0: let's see uh, oh my god uh, the question is night? when did the first continental come out Ooh. september 5th, 1774 <laughs> it was the first continental
1: congress damn you hey. google yeah, I don't, you I screwed don't, me i don't think that's the one <laughs> okay well maybe we can circle back to that bad mother 1939 Really? Okay, so I was I was close. I thought maybe 40.
2: Well, that was damn close.
1: So, uh, we saw a new Ford commercial this past week. Ford released a Bronco commercial on social media to hype the new SUV before it's unveiling on June on July 13th. They were initially going to do it on July 9th. But that's O.J. Simpson's birthday. Oh. (laughs) Uh, What a celebration that would have been. Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They were going to drive a white one down the freeway really slowly with a bunch of cops behind them. Irony. Uh-huh. That that is no crap. They actually changed the release date because it was on O.J.'s birthday. Uh, Though the commercial doesn't reveal the whole truck, a few clips show more than we've seen before. The 90-second clip emphasizes the Bronco's off-roading intentions. With shots of the SUV on forest paths and desert flats and mountain trails, yep. the overall shape and fascia design seemed to be really close to what we saw in a lot of the renderings and early drawings. And also what we've seen from uh, shots back in March, and right down to the kind of Popsicle-style headlights and the squared-off body lines. In the commercial, Ford yep. says it was built with the toughness of an F-series and the spirit of a Mustang. I will. I will vouch for the toughness of an F series. My dad keeps driving them. He could destroy a crowbar in a sandbox. Sorry, Pop, but it's true. <laughs> Dang, I, I gotta apologize. He's listening. Uh, uh and those, <laughs> He keeps getting those trucks And they keep blasting
0: I'm sorry man My dad could twist the head off Of any screw or bolt imaginable
1: <laughs> He'd get a good head of piss off on uh-huh. And just oh, I'm gonna make it Chink yeah, oh. they, they must have gone to the same high school uh, Anyway the Bronco is supposed to be A direct competitor with a Jeep Wrangler And they're showing a, a two door version A four door version Both with hard and soft tops And also that new cute little Bronco Sport
2: Yeah And, and they have that manu- possible man- manual uh, the, transmission 7-speed right? manual transmission, that, which would be really cool. awfully cool. Now, I'm actually really excited. I know I'm a Jeep Wrangler fan. I kind of always have been. But I am super excited to see competitors and an actual true off-roader and to not see Wranglers being the only ones out there. So yeah. I, I do yeah. like that. I do like that. But being that you got a Wrangler parked in your driveway... Yeah, that I means you got to buy a Bronco. We'll go test them side by side. Mm. Ooh, hey, maybe
0: we could go up to uh, mm. uh, Victory Chrysler Jeep Ram and oh, do it go, on their track. Yeah, they to go run their track. That'd be crazy sweet. sweet.
2: They do have a Ford dealership next door. Jeff, we're going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun one. Well, Motor Authority is talking about uh, how you can't buy demon parts unless you're a demon owner, and I'm talking about the car, by the way. What the hell? Get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you like uh, See uh, what they did. Ha. Uh, well, that was kind of a stretch, man. <laughs> so, the newly announced 2020 Dodge Challenger SRT Superstock is a street and strip special, like the Demon, only not quite as fast and it doesn't have as much equipment to handle that kind of Yeah, but when they speed. say not quite as fast. Yeah, what what is it?
1: 20 less horsepower, remember? You're, yeah, you're, you're really <laughs> you're splitting
2: hairs. Pretty much. Um, but those who think they could, basically what they're doing, people with these super stocks, they want to start buying the demon parts to make a demon clone since you can't buy the demons new anymore. So uh, Dodge won't let that happen. Well, they only made 3,300 of the demons and they wanted to make them really exclusive. Yes, they do. And apparently they're going to keep it that way. If you can't prove that you're an owner with your VIN, and I'm assuming they have to match names and all that stuff with that, I don't know how, how far they're going to go with that. But anyways, you can't buy that kind of stuff. Uh, for the Demon, unless you have the VIN for a Demon. They won't sell those parts, says the Dodge CEO, Tim uh, Kunuskis. So I wonder if they'll... Hey, good, man, Uh, Kunuskis. I'm glad I didn't
1: have to take a stab at it. If you have
0: one of those VINs, can you buy 10 hoods? Yeah, I broke one. I need 10 replacements just in you case. You wonder. You wonder.
1: And I'm maybe, guessing they've got a go F yourself clause in yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> probably do. One, one, one per person per <laughs> year. It's like a know.
2: straw purchase on rifles. So, <laughs> so you, want, you guys want to know what parts that they're talking about Sure, on here? sure, yeah. Okay, so there's a, uh, the trans brake that the Demon has, The their hood, the See? skinny front tires that come in that little Demon crate that you pay a buck for. Uh, There's some (laughs) suspension parts, all, of course, which enable the demons at 9.65 second quarter mile time is, uh, well, not accessible to the uh, super stock owners. Now, how much do you want to bet that people are going to start jumping on the aftermarket? That was my thought, too,
1: with the the few demons that may have wound up uh, in a wrecking yard. Mm -hmm. And those things are still worth a ton, so it would have to be a hellacious wreck. But you know they're going to try to pull parts that they can. I know some of the people that bought Demons uh, were trying to
2: sell the crate. Well, they're talking about a hood. Oh, my gosh. So who's to say an aftermarket company can't just make a hood that looks just like it? Make a hood that looks just like it? Uh, I don't know. Can you...
1: Can you bar aftermarket companies from reproducing what you made?
2: Maybe if you made it like, let's say, carbon fiber, say, nope, you didn't have that. We made a carbon fiber hood. You made an aluminum hood. The 2020 Dodge Challenger SRT Superstock does have quite a few demon parts, though, already, which I'm sure that's part of what makes it so fast, Yeah, like the (laughs) 807-horsepower supercharged 6.2-liter V8 in Joan. Oh, man. So it does have the, the launch assist, the launch control, line Lock, torque, reverse, uh race, cooldown mode, power chiller, track mode for suspension, and and uh, and takes the rebound out of the front dampener shifting weight to the rear. I mean, basically, it's. I'm sorry, guys, it's just a rebadged demon with slightly less horsepower. But does
0: it have that shiatsu massage seat it's, like the Lincoln? Uh, no, you know no, what? I don't think Screw that. it then. I'm, I, I'm tell out. you what. Tell you what.
1: <laughs> Let's make it happen, man. <laughs> I bet you can buy Lincoln parts. <laughs> it comes with its own
2: masseuse. So, so thank you, for, damn,
1: well done,
0: Motor Authority, for all
2: of that info. That's still a very, very powerful fast car. So if you had a super stock, would you be like, oh, man, I really wanted the Demon instead? I think you'd be pretty happy.
1: I'm guessing 807 horsepower
2: would scare you almost every time you let it lose. Well, the Demon was only, I would take that. The Demon, I, would, I would be very happy to the do The Demon that was now. 840, but that had to be on race fuel to get that. So otherwise it was only like... Seven ninety something, and yeah. a
0: nine dot quarter in a uh, in a production vehicle <laughs> that, a, that, that weighs what like. What the hell eight are we tons. doing with a, our lives? A <laughs> ten
1: second quarter is blisteringly fast and yeah. is screaming fast. These are great
2: days, yeah, my if brothers. If you guys don't think these that are sounds great fast, ride right in a car that's Hell a tenth and you we
0: Jolly time. Green giants driving cars. <laughs> Hell yeah. of a time to be a bum, car bum, guy. Bum. All right. Uh, if you're going to work on your car, maybe uh, add a few of those parts. You're not going to want one of these things from jalopnik.com. <laughs> Harbor Freight has replaced its defective <laughs> jack stands oh, with defective <laughs> jack stands. <laughs> <laughs> ah, don't. Uh, poor Harbor Freight. Uh, honestly, you know, I I went through three disc grinders of theirs, and that's probably why they were like 13 or
1: 14 bucks. Yeah. Because I just burnt those sons of bitches out. <laughs> well, you, you know when you buy something and it is dirt stinking cheap, like garage sale cheap, Yeah, and you walk out with a receipt, you're, you're not going, this is going to last me my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> I just wanted to get through that 56 Plymouth. <laughs> <limit. Didn't. laughs> All right. Harbor
0: Freight recently recalled over 1.7 million jack stands. I bet the two that I have in my house... Might be these. I bought them an awfully long time ago. Maybe, maybe I skipped it. Well, maybe you should go weld on them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the ratchet teeth on the posts could slip on the originals, and the and your vehicle would fall and crush. Now, Harbor Freight replaced some of the f- faulty jack stands with. These new faulty ones—they have a (laughs) welding defect, and from the pictures that I saw, the welding defect is on the panel where it's where the legs come up, and they're supposed to be kind of that panel is—it just spreads them in half. Yeah, just it's like me doing yoga.
1: It's really awful and then broken. I'm kind (laughs) of wondering if you would hear it creak, hear it creak, hear it creak, so you'd have like a distant early warning to get your ass out from underneath the car. You have. Is it kind of like a mission impossible thing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt.
1: So, uh, four.
0: Three, two. <laughs> now you you don't want to mess with the failed jack stand. You can uh, if you own any of these jack stands or any of the jack stands in the original recall, uh, don't use them. Get a refund. Buy yep. a jack stand. Go throw them through the window <laughs> out of Harbor Freight. <laughs> maybe maybe from somewhere else. Yeah, no uh, kidding. You know, I no, I do love that Harbor Freight. There are some things I've bought from there that have been just dandy. Yeah, And, uh, and I've used the crap out of mm-hmm. the cheap things, and it was it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. This, is, me too. this one worries me. I'm glad my jack
2: stands I own are not from there. Yeah, <laughs> no
1: kidding. My old man, well, my, my parents, my mom and dad, mm-hmm. have had, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're getting older. So for a long time, they've had a mm-hmm. house someplace warm, and then they've had one in Kansas City. In the wintertime, when it turns crummy here, they go to someplace warm. Right. Dad moved a bunch of stuff back from that house a while back, and he came home with the heaviest set of jack stands I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure you could stick a like, one-ton like, Ford pickup on top of these. And be on, just, just A-stand? <laughs> yeah. were And they were, the bases look chrome, and they say Goodyear on them. I'm quite sure Goodyear had somebody else make wow, them. Wow, that's for them. hilarious. Oh, but they are so stinking heavy, man. I would trust those to anything. <laughs> that's hilarious. And then you see the old cheap crap jack stands that are made out of like stamped steel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of like the ones that you're, I have. And you're supposed to <laughs> Hey, I've put cars up on top of those and never questioned once would they let go. But when I saw what the
2: one's dad had I'm like
1: this is what I'm using from now on. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's Thanks, hilarious Pops. you
2: say that because I the, the, the set I've had for the longest time they're really they're they're big jack stands mm-hmm. and they're good here with a chrome base and a blue yeah yeah, yeah. part and they actually even have like a pin so yeah. so you can lock them in so you don't have to oh, rely yeah. on the little thing I, we may have the j- same jack stand yeah y'all are I've had them for like 20 years
0: i got an old jack from a 55 plymouth and i just pulled that bumper right up i don't care if it's a fashion epic <laughs> i'm gonna get under it and let jesus help me change that oil yeah no kidding
2: <laughs> good for you <laughs> Okay. Now, uh, you know how we were talking about last week about the Woodward Dream Cruise being canceled? Yeah. 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 Well, Automotive News says Dream Cruisers won't take no for an answer. (laughs) What a
1: surprise. (laughs) So, all the businesses and the municipalities Uh and everybody said, oh, we're not going to have it. But when we talked last week, we discussed that they couldn't shut down the highway because it's a federal highway. Right. Right. So, apparently, they're just going to come anyway? Yeah.
2: So, a massive, the, 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 the massive celebration of car culture that fills the main drag of Detroit's uh, suburbs every August has been canceled... And they say the cruise was says you, but (laughs) the decision is unlikely to deter many of the hot riders and muscle car owners out there, as they are basically all saying we're going cruising. (laughs) So uh, the Dream Cruise Facebook page is littered with comments from those who intended, uh, basically, who intend to cruise. Um, no matter what of the official cancellation or not. So, oh, darn, no city events for corporate boosts. Well, guess we'll get back to what the cruise is really about, cars and cruising. Cruising. (laughs)
3: Says one of the
2: commentators said. Um, But uh, basically, I'm sorry, Uh, board of the Woodward Cruise, um, you aren't in charge. (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing is, if
0: you just drive cars like I like, You'll have thirty feet social distancing Uh from the back (laughs) of one bumper to the back of the next one, up to the calves. Grab one of those
1: columns and you'll have thirty feet behind you because people are avoiding the exhaust on the rest (laughs) (laughs) flights.
2: Well, yeah. See, see, Uh it's a win-win. So, so Mark, you would have to rear-end someone just to be in the same zip code. (laughs) You're damn right. (laughs) You just have to wait till the
0: shockwave <laughs> came back to you. Oh, I guess I hit something.
1: <laughs> for, for the uninitiated, marks like cars that have their own gravitational pull. There's there's smaller cars orbiting them. I
2: do, I do. You're now, not now, wrong. now remember the Dream Cruise, uh, which celebrated its 25th anniversary last year. Uh, basically, they typically attract more than a million people.
1: More than a million.
2: Lordy. So you can't keep those gearheads down, man. That's
1: i love that that's awesome uh as always you can find links to all of these articles on readthedriven.com our special guest this week is mr tom cotter host of haggerty's barn fine hunter series he's going to be here to talk about all the cool stuff he does and some of the weirder things he's found in people's barns all that and more is coming up next on driven radio Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in lovely, stinking hot Overland Park, oh my Kansas. Oh God, it's so yeah. hot. It was 95 degrees today, man.
0: Well, it's it's not the heat so much, it's the humidity. Are no, you? for real. Oh it wow. sucks. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was way, way bad. Uh Tom Cotter's with us this week. Tom began his automotive career as a mechanic, an auto parts counterman, a car salesman, and then he became involved in doing public relations for the auto racing industry. A move to North Carolina led to a position at Charlotte Motor Speedway as their PR director. Four years later, he founded the Cotter Group, which became the largest PR agency in motorsports. After 13 years, he sold the business and began pursuing his love for vintage cars on a full-time basis tom bought a 289 cobra let me say that one more time kids tom bought a 289 cobra a real deal a real cobra and drove that across the united states with his friend peter egan uh tom's written 17 books about cars and the enthusiast world he's been a contributing editor of road and track he writes for the new york times he's a former co-chairman of the amelia island concours d'elegance He teaches public relations at Belmont Abbey College. He's the host of Haggerty's wildly popular Barn Find Hunters YouTube series. And he's on the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program's National Advisory Board. Uh, In addition to collecting, restoring, and racing a variety of vintage cars. Tom, welcome to Driven Radio.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for being with us. That's a that's a hell of a resume, Tom. No wonder it took us so long to get you on the show. Uh, where do you
4: find the time to do it all? You know, I I just I yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know how I get it all done. But you know I, I'm 66 and I have I I can't stop. I just I just keep going. I'm driving. I've got to drive to Haggerty this weekend. I'm in Maine right now. I live in Maine in the summer, and I'm driving to Traverse City, Michigan.
3: That's and they said
4: we'll cool. fly there. I said you know with the pandemic I don't think I really want to fly. So I'm going to just drive it's a thousand miles in and a thousand miles back good um, and, and i just drove a thousand miles from north carolina up to here just, i'm a <laughs> driving fool which uh
0: which vehicle are you gonna take you gonna take the woody oh, i'm gonna rent a car,
4: <laughs> rent a car.
0: <laughs> we know a guy who rented a mustang he got where he needed to go pretty quick yeah fred ashmore <laughs> says that's the
1: way to do it yep <laughs> <laughs> so you're 66 and you're you're the car guy's car guy when did you know that you uh, love cars when did you know you were a car guy
4: that, that's that's all I've ever done. I've never played golf. I've never hunted. I've never fished. i I'm, I'm, you know, if I go to a party, I'm, the average party, I'm a boring guy. But you know, some parties, I'm a pretty exciting guy. So, you know, it depends on if there's other car guys in the room. But if everybody wants to talk about what, the, what 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 the NFL scores are, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> so. You
1: had lots of uh, stereotypical car guy jobs before getting involved with public
4: relations. Uh, how did you become involved with PR? Well, when I, I was racing a Dotson five ten at, at Bridgehampton Race Circuit, Lime Rock, Pocono, I, I found it. You know, I, I, like people said, "Would you write a, a report on the race for our our newsletter?" Yeah, sure. And I started to write these reports, and people started to like them. I started to write more and more. And then Newsday, which was the biggest afternoon paper on Long Island. Where I lived, they said, "You know, would you write a story about racing at Bridgehampton? And we need this many words. We need it by then. Blah blah blah. And we'll give you two hundred seventy-five dollars." I said, "Somebody's going to pay me?" Holy! <laughs> 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 so I had been a salesman and I liked writing, and I heard there was this career called public relations, which was writing and selling, I said, "Man, I'm good at both those things." And it was early in the in the kind of early in the career, uh, so I, I couldn't really learn about it. I couldn't go to school. You just had to, I just had to jump off the cliff and, and, and say I was a PR guy. And it worked. It, you know, it's like there wasn't too many opportunities to be involved in auto racing or in the automotive industry on Long Island. So I heard about a job in, in Charlotte, and I got offered the PR director job at Charlotte Motor Speedway in 85, and uh, life's been betty-betty good to me. <laughs> nice. Now, after you sold your
1: PR company, you bought that 289 Cobra. A Cobra is not an overly luxurious car. In fact, they're downright Spartan. Uh, what was it like? A, they're
4: horrible. They're
1: horrible.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was... I just
4: sold a Sunbeam Tiger, and you know they call a Sunbeam Tiger a poor man's Cobra. I have to tell you that it, the, the craftsmanship and the and the coachwork on a Tiger is far superior to a Cobra <laughs> because you know you can actually roll up a window. In a tiger, in a, oh, yeah. in a cobra, you get sunburned, <laughs> or you true. can just you can take the top and flip it over, and you know if it starts to rain. But in a cobra, you got to get out, you got to unload the trunk, you got to take all these bars out and start snapping, and by then you're soaked. <laughs> so, you know, a, 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 a tiger has real door panels and a dashboard and stuff. A, a cobra doesn't have any of that stuff. So, uh, but a cobra is just so wicked. Oh man! So, what was it like Great. driving across the U.S. in one? pretty good uh it was i i flew out there i live in charlotte and i i i flew out to walnut uh like san francisco i went I, I rented a car went to walnut creek california and this because I, I found out this guy was selling a cobra this is back in 2000 and uh i, I said can i take it for your drive he said here's the keys and so he gave me the keys and i just took off and i you know i was gone for like six or seven hours <laughs> i went to napa valley <laughs> i went to see i had lunch <laughs> lunch up there you know the guy a whole... called the cops 37 <laughs> times ferris
0: bueller <laughs> cotter
4: and I came back and and this guy he he had a french accent and he, his, his name was Frenchie. and he said where you been and i said well, i'm a test driver. and he said you're driving more in one day than i tried in 10 years <laughs> so i said well i'm gonna i'll take the car and, you know, then I called my wife and I, and I held my cell phone up to the exhaust pipe. I said, listen to this. This is now our car <laughs> And so uh, he says, so, you know, when are you going to have it picked up? I said, you know what? I think I'm not going to have it picked up. I think I'm going to drive it. You're crazy. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I decided, you know, I looked up weather and, and the weather in May, you know, it wasn't too hot in the desert. It wasn't too cold in the mountain states. You know, we hit, we did hit. Some snow in Nevada and Colorado. We did hit, uh, you know, the desert was 95 degrees. but It wasn't too terrible. So, you know, early May was a good time to uh, do that trip. And it, so we just took nine days. There was no rush. We went north, we went south, two-lane roads all across the United States. Oh, wow. It, oh, wow. It was, it was fantastic. That would have been really cool. stayed, stayed in old hotels, uh, ate in at old, old restaurants, you know, it's, it, it, we tried to live the life of, a, you know, 50 years earlier, you know. I was waiting for you
1: to tell us you put a chiropractor's kid through an Ivy League school. <laughs>
4: yeah. So I bought the car with 41,000 miles. And here we are coming up on 20 years later. And I've, I'm have i almost double that now. Oh, that's so, so bought, cool. And the, the car's first, let me see, it was 65, 2,000. And the car's first 35 years, I hit 41,000 in the car, and in, in, in since then it's will be 35, In the car's 19, next 19 years, I, I, I'm almost at another 41,000. <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> excellent. Nice. Nice. That's so awesome. the car
4: has been, I put on Cobra tours every year, you know, because I, I brought the car back, I went to a Shelby meet, and Carol Shelby came over to me, he was driving his lightning pickup, and he oh, said, is that the car that drove across the United States? I said, yeah, <laughs> I've heard about you, that's what I'm talking about, <laughs> I didn't build no damn trailer queen. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I started. Wow! So, people like were amazed. You like, you actually drove that, yeah? So, I put on these tours every year. I guess I've put them on now for maybe fifteen or sixteen years. uh, Tours for real cobras. And the deal is, you got to have a CSX two thousand, which was a two sixty or two eighty nine, or a CSX three thousand, which was a four twenty seven or four twenty eight. And you can't be an asshole. So that's the qualification. <laughs> that last one was pretty important. I'm uh, sure. that might be a tough hurdle yeah, there. Mm. No gold chains, you know, none of that shit. So <laughs> the uh so we've had as few as fifteen cars for a small event and as many as thirty cars oh like my when we God. do a big event like 30 at the Grand Cobra's. Tetons. You know, so it's east meets west. All these East Coast Cobras come to like Grand Tetons, all the West Coast Cobras come to and we have this week, you know, drive through Yellowstone and stuff. Just amazing. So um, you've
1: had some really interesting experiences on these tours, and I've read about some of them, uh, and I've got one yeah. specifically in mind. What's the scariest thing you've done on one of those tours?
4: Four of us, four Cobra owners, myself and three other buddies, decided we found out there had never been a Cobra in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we decided, well, let's, let's go do <laughs> a tour of Alaska. And so we took two weeks, and, <laughs> and we made you know, did a big circle of Alaska, landed. We started and finished at Anchorage, but we took about a 2,000-mile drive around the whole mountain ranges and ferry boats and all that stuff to get back to where we were. And, I mean, that was just – it was amazing. Alaska is so beautiful. You know, Norway and Sweden and Switzerland have nothing on us. But my buddy – my my son was with me for the first week, and then he had to fly back to work. And my buddy, Woody, uh, came with me the second week, and he forgot his Fig Newtons one night in the back seat of the car – in the back of the seat. And a bear came along and ripped the roof off. and <laughs> Oh, dear. Big Newtons. Damn it. he <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably really one of those Big so, nudes too. You know, so the car's got three slight dents in the co- in the rear quarter panel, which I'm leaving there. They could be pressed out because there's no cracked paint. He destroyed the original roof, which was sad. But uh, it was muddy in the interior because his paws were all muddy and stuff. But, I mean, thankfully, he could have ripped the doors off that car. The, the officer, the trooper that came along, Looked at the size of the paw print, and he said that was probably a six hundred pound bear. They could have, cobra doors are nothing; it's like tin foil, and he could have ripped those doors off. So I am so lucky because I was able to complete, you know, almost another week of driving. And, and if he had ripped the doors off, it would have been kind of tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> What's it like to try and drive one of those in the snow? Uh well, I've, I've haven't. Yeah, well, phew, wow, yeah. We did a tour <laughs> through uh, Big Sky, Montana once driven you know the low country to the low country but there's a mountain range in between and so we all decided we had to get back to the other side for the hotel room that night let's go over the top well the higher we got this you know turned to drizzle rain sleet, snow didn't hail but it was like ooh, and so it was you know we we had probably two inches of snow but underneath that snow on this little mountain road was ice and we had 30 cobras and oh, uh my goodness. It got to the point where there was a 427 leading all of us up this mountain. Well, 427s have tires that are probably 10 inches wide, 12 inches wide, something like that. And they're and they're basically like a racing tire. Right. And this Cobra couldn't go anywhere. He's like we're going uphill, uphill, up, and, and he wheels are spinning. So, and in fact, all of the 427s, we had to they couldn't turn around. They didn't have any traction. So we a bunch of guys got in the left front and the right rear, and we had to spin the car like on a on a a turntable in the ice and the 427s had to go back down the mountain and take a three hour drive around it but the small blocks went up and over
1: so small blocks went
4: again oh man (laughs) I I can't imagine trying to do any of
1: that on snow and ice that would be so scary oh Oh, wow so shifting gears just a little bit what is the importance of
4: barn find cars well you know to me the first barn find car I found and you know let's a lot of people say, oh, that wasn't a barn, it's not a barn find, that's a lot of crap. A barn find car, and you know, it's, it's my term, it's like my life is, is, is barn find. So it's a neglected, ignored, abused car. Doesn't matter if it's in a warehouse or in a field, a carport, a barn, whatever. The importance of, to me, it was always the, op- it was, it's like a gateway drug to old car collecting. It's like, you know, if, if you want a, a car the easy way, you get online now, or in the old days, you go through Hemmings and you'd find a 36 Ford Roadster, and you and you paid a lot of money for it, and you got a great car. But you had to have a lot of money, and I never had a lot of money. The way to jumpstart that whole cycle is to find a car in somebody's yard that has no for sale sign on it, and so therefore they haven't done any investigation on the car's value. <laughs> and you got to remember when I started this, there was no there was no Barrett Jackson auction, there was no eBay. They'll bring a trailer. So you can go to somebody, knock on the door, and if they'll you know, if you if you sell yourself right, they'll they'll invite you in for some iced tea, they'll take you out in the back and show you the cars, and let me show you what else I have. And before you know it, you spent three hours there. And then you've sold yourself as a friend. And once you sell yourself as a friend, then you could potentially buy something. Because people like to do business with friends. So uh, it's it's a little bit of a sell job, but then you can buy it. Then you have a good chance of making up a value, and them accepting it, and and then so then you can get in on a much lower basis than if you were to buy it through Hemmings or now on Bring a Trailer or something. So you know you can't always find what you are looking for. Like people say to me through the Haggerty Barn Find Hunter series, oh, well, you know, why don't you find your four twenty six Superbirds? Well, you, you know, like you open a barn door, you open a garage. Door, <laughs> there could be a you know, it could be a a farmall tractor. It could be a Rolls-Royce. It could be a Hemi-Super. You don't know what's behind the door. So yeah. You can't go trying to find something. You just have to find it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's something you're interested in, maybe not. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So I have I have found, I mean, in my lifetime, thousands and thousands of cars. I've bought a few of them. Um, to me, the most desirable car I've ever found. I mean, I've found Ferraris, Cobras, big-block Cobras, small-block Cobras. I mean, also – but I have been a, a Cunningham freak. A Cunningham, the Briggs Cunningham was a cool, a race driver back in the 50s and built his own cars. He built nine race cars and 25 street cars. And I own one of those 25 street cars. Oh. Got a Hemi engine with four carburetors. And I've always dreamed about owning a Cunningham. And I gave a talk one night to a car group. And as I finished the talk, it was a slide presentation, whatever. And I sat down and the guy said to me, what would be your ultimate barn find? And I said, well, you know, to tell you the truth, my, my whole life, since I'm a kid, it's been to and it's been a Cobra. But I've found actually several of those. So I've I kind of I've lived that dream. He said, what would be your second ultimate porn find? I said, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. But it would be to find a Cunningham. But I said, you know, there's only 25 Cunninghams. They've, I'm sure they're all owned by very rich collectors. And he says, I know where there's a Cunningham. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and I'm, in, I'm in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Not where you'd expect to find a car that, when they were built, was the most expensive American car. You could buy three Cadillacs for the price of one yeah. Cunningham. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and my mind starts working like, okay, it probably is, you know, something that has a Corvair engine. It's got a 5 body. You know, it's some kind of kit car that looks like Cunningham. He says, my friend's got it. I can take you there next week and show you. And son of a gun. His friend had it in a basement in Greenville, South Carolina. And I bought it with no documentation at all. <laughs> I, not at all. There was no I didn't know what serial number it was. Money. Anything about it. And it turns out now I've owned it for probably twelve years. It's the most documented Cunningham in the world. I know that car. I've got I know the entire ownership lineage. I've got factory photographs. It no was kidding. the press car, oh. so this is the car that journalists would drive. Oh. Magazine stories, books, oh, wow. that kind of thing. Yeah, I've got old titles and photographs, and I've met a number of the owners. A couple of the owners are still alive. It's, I mean, it's an amazing car. So that Cunningham, it's the ultimate American hot rod with an aluminum body made in Italy. It's like you know, it's got a Hemi engine with a Vignali body. I have brought it to Concours events. I've brought it to Rat Rod events. I've raced it on road races. I've hill climbed with it. The only thing I have I want to do drag racing is going to be this year, but it'll be next year now. I've done it's it's the perfect car, and it, I bought it flat. It was just flat black. Somebody primed it back in the 50s, and that's the way it is now. The interior's all ripped up, but I restored it mechanically, and that's my find of a lifetime.
1: That's incredible. Nice. That nice is nice. incredible. Absolutely. What's the logic behind chasing a barn find versus a car that's already
4: done? Aside from money, first of all, I mean you know I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, you know finding treasure was you know like it's it's the hunt and that's why people in barn find 100 think i buy all these cars i don't you know to me it's the hunt i just love snooping and finding leads go to the auto part like if you can find an old auto parts store in a town and ask them is there a guy in town that restores old cars and they will tell you about oh yeah they got the block he's got some model a's well i can go to a town it can be in arizona it could be in alaska it could be in maine doesn't matter and not have a single lead. Now, people send me leads, but almost all the time I turn them down because I don't want to turn into American pickers. <laughs> Those guys survive on leads. You know, they're nice guys, but when they get to the town, they know exactly what's in that barn. They know exactly the, the pieces they're going to buy and the prices are all negotiated ahead of time. So I don't want to do that. And and so I want to stay authentic. And, and so I very seldom will take a lead. People Send me on, you know, Facebook or whatever, and and so I, I like to find the old-fashioned way: drive up and down roads and, and look behind barns and buildings and ask at auto repair shops, whatever. And and if I get to attend, and we have four days worth. Of, say, we shoot for four days. If we uh, if we have zero leads when I start, we have a hard time leaving after four days. So one lead leads to two more. Sure. Leads to two more. Leads to sure. more. Before you know it, I've got a flight out on Thursday night, and I I just I can't take anymore. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of cars out there, but it's, it's meeting the people that have a story to tell you is which I, is what I love. I love the human interest story where, you know, I can see a junkyard, but junkyards have no stories. Sure, sure. It's just inventory to a guy that owns a junkyard. He just has inventory. He has a bunch of old Plymouth dusters back there. And if you want the engine, it's $400. You find a guy with one car, two cars that he got from his aunt when he went to high school. And there's a the whole story. I'd rather find one car with a story than 900 cars in a field. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. True. Uh, you know, we, we both missed the uh, McPherson Cars show this year. It was unfortunately canceled. Uh, and I remember seeing you there last year. Uh, I think you got locked out of your trailer for a minute.
3: <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs> I, brought, I had my Cobra there in a trailer, and I brought the Cobra to the show. And I threw my truck keys in the glove box. Oh no! And then when I got done with the show, the the truck and trailer were at the hotel parking lot. I just r- lowered the ramp, threw the car in, locked it up. Oh man, my truck keys are in the. I, <laughs> I couldn't get back in the trailer because my keys are oh, there. You know. Yeah. So I had a locksmith come and He tried. He you know for an hour or two, and then uh, Brian from the school came over and we just cut the locks off
1: yeah, I, didn't, I didn't i yeah. didn't realize you had your cobra there because you drove that 62 ford country sedan
4: so i drove my truck and trailer to mcpherson left it at the school mm-hmm. flew from wichita down to midland texas yeah yeah and then we drove a thousand miles up shooting bonfire Hunter episodes a thousand miles from midland up to mcpherson I left the wagon at the school. That was such a cool story. Um,
1: how did you become involved with the school and the and the restoration program?
4: Well, you know, they, they, they were looking for some people to uh, add to the, the advisory board. And, you know, I, I, I typically, you know, I have a lot of energy and I have a lot of ideas. And I think I was recommended by uh, Paul Russell and Scott George. Okay. Scott George, who runs the Revs Institute down in Naples, Florida, and Paul Russell owns Paul Russell Restorations in Essex, Mass. And I knew them both. And they, you know, I got a call from them. Would you consider I said, yeah, I really would. And now I just, I love that program. I love the students. I love the teachers. I love the the curriculum. It's just so wholesome where, you know, every year they have the student-run car show. They, they handle ticket sales registrations, concessions, souvenirs, uh, placing the cars, awards, and then you see some kid, like he's part of the Model T build-up, and, and they build this Model T, which is all disassembled, mm-hmm. and in six and a half minutes, they can take a disassembled Model T and make it running again, put the body on, put the engine in, put the wheels on, and make it running, and then he's got to wipe grease off his hands because he's in the jazz band. It's just <laughs> it's so wholesome. It's like, you know, every year I leave there, I got tears in my eyes. It's like, you don't meet this is like these are like kids from the 50s you know like Ozzy and Harriet and, oh yeah you know, yeah father knows best. It,
1: you're uh, you're missing the grand finale though I know Luke Channel is dying to get you over to the post show barbecue oh,
4: yeah I, I usually have a reason to leave <laughs> you know it's a long drive home uh-huh. and uh, you know it, it, it takes you know it's always it, probably 1300 miles something like that so I got to hotel it on the way home and I usually as you know, I'm busy. Something that's, <laughs> something that's waiting for me on Tuesday morning. I got to be home for absolutely. So, as a, a
1: member of the National Advisory Board, uh, what is your role? What is your job there? Well, it's what I do
4: really well. It's brainstorm. Uh, I, I've been involved, as you noted earlier, really to every level of the automotive world. From you know, from literally bloody knuckles, greasy fingernails, putting clutch job, putting clutches in to you know in the boardrooms of the biggest car companies Mercedes Benz BMW General Motors Ford and i so i and you know and and every level in between and and so uh, i can i can come to the table with a, a scope of knowledge that you know a lot of people don't have and so when i can sit down with a student and help them put together a resume i can sit down with a student and help them decide which channel they might want to go to maybe they have an automotive restoration degree from mcpherson but they really want to go into the journalism side or they want to go into uh, the auction side you know and i can advise them people to call it r&m or a magazine or whatever so um i, I guess just because i have such a, a rounded uh experience in the automotive world i can bring that to the students there you know, you've you've authored uh,
1: seventeen different books, including all the books of in the barn series: the Cobra in the barn, the Vincent in the barn, the Harley, the Corvette, the Hemi. Uh, you've got a lot to say about the enthusiast car world. I'm kind of wondering: uh, do you have your views on the enthusiast world changed over time? And along with that, uh, what were the the changes or the evolution of that?
4: You know, it's easy to get sarcastic and and critical <laughs> as you spend more time in an industry you know you uh, you know I'm so smart now uh, there's little peon people over here and I you know I never want to fall into that when I was a kid on Long Island well, in my 20s wanting to get somehow in the auto racing world um, nobody would give me the time of day now I'm on mm-hmm. Long Island I'm in the New York market there's not a lot going on there but still there were people that had jobs that I aspired to one day Go after, and I, you know, how do how do I get where you are? Would you spend some time with me? And nobody would spend time with me. It was like I don't know if they just they get approached too often. I don't know if they, uh, they they didn't want the competition. I don't know what it was, but it 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 took me a couple of years before I found somebody that spent two or three hours with me explaining how it's done. Wow. So, I try to give. Uh, my whole career, when I had the agency, I had ninety people work for me. If somebody called me and they seemed sincere on the phone, or they sent me a letter and they seemed sincere about wanting to have a career in the auto racing automotive industry, um, I would I would make a point of spending as much time as I could give them in person. I'd buy them lunch. One guy drove drove down from Connecticut to Charlotte just to have lunch with me. You know, but it was hundreds of people, and maybe I helped steer some careers. You know, maybe I help push somebody in this direction, that direction. That, But I, I never wanted to become the person that I encountered so often. Somebody that didn't have the time for me. Sure. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you made me all heart fuzzy and warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have
1: opinion an opinion or a vision of where you think the enthusiast car world is headed?
4: Well, I, I know that the, the, the graduates from McPherson are going to be the leaders of whatever world is ahead of us. You true, know, like true. If we discount the pandemic world right now and, and assume that one day it'll get back to normal again, uh, it's, it's rare to find young people who are as, in, are as enthusiastic as I was when I was their age. And, you know, because... I, got my, I had all my driver's license information filled out when I was 15. And the day I turned 16, I got my road test and I was driving. There was nothing more in the world that I wanted to do than, than have a driver's license. It was freedom. And now you, you meet kids that are 19, 20 years old. They, they don't have a driver's license. They don't care. They you know, they have a laptop. And I guess that gives them the freedom they want. But when I find a young person that really has it in their heart that you know, they, they love cars, oh, man, I'll, I'll do anything for them because that's the future of the industry that I kind of helped carve Uh, Barn Find Hunter the the series I do for YouTube for Hagerty it's originally I was going after cars that I that I'm interested in like let's face it when I was like the Woody that I drive on my program 39 Ford I bought that when I was 15 years old for 300 (laughs) bucks it was 1969 I had grown up reading Hot Rod Magazine Rod and Custom Magazine knowing these old cars 32 Fords Model A's Flathead Engines you know all this kind of stuff and so I can I can talk to that indefinitely but Haggerty's biggest base of new customers are for people that enjoy cars that are newer than World War two mostly 60s and 70s and 80s so I'm enjoying that too because I've got you know a bunch of cars 60s cars I 70s, 70s cars no I have a lot of 60s cars and uh, so that's where I'm going after so I just did a, a series of uh, a couple of days down in Atlanta, and I was only going to concentrate on finding newer type cars and Mazda RX-7s, Datsun Z cars, mm-hmm. Alphas, uh, those, you know, GTIs, 2002s, things like that. And, uh, man, we had, we got really great responses back. So that tells me that a lot of people watching this are into newer model cars. So if you think about it, Guys that are my age, I'm 66. Actually, guy, I'm 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 probably not typical because I fell in love with cars that were built 20 years before I was born. But if you think about it, the cars that you are in love with now are the cars that you fell, you know, you were a kid. So maybe they're 10 years older than you are, or or maybe the same age you were born. And, and you know, some the kid next door had a GTO or a Shelby Mustang. Um, so it the the most you know, like. The favorite car cars in the, in the collector car world are going up a decade at a time mm-hmm. as, as the older guys age out, you know they leave the earth, they go to a nursing home, whatever. And now <laughs> Model T's and Model A's, there's no value. There's no value to Model T's and Model A's because they can't go highway speeds, they don't have air conditioning. Sure. You know, which is one reason I took a Model T trip across the United States a couple of years ago. I drove the Lincoln Highway from New York City, Manhattan, to San Francisco. In a model T, for it. So I wanted to drive oh, wow. a hundred-year-old car wow. on a hundred-year-old road, and it was it was a blast. It was great, and you know I wanted to live that experience before there was no opportunity to live it anymore.
1: Nice. Is there Very anything much. relating to cars you haven't done that you still want to do?
4: Well, you know, I, I was collecting parts for a. I'm, I'm sorry, my this thing is bouncing around so much. But I got a box on my lap, so i I can be <laughs> level. Um, I I. I, I just sold a 32 Ford Highboy that I had been collecting parts for, for 20, 20 years at least. A Brookville oh. body, a 32 frame. I got a box, a drop for an axle and all that stuff. And I and I just started to sell a bunch of cars. And I said, you know what? I don't need that car anymore. I'm not going to finish it. Because I had the opportunity recently. I got this 32 Ford and I had a Lotus Elan, which I bought in McPherson, oh, Kansas. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And <laughs> I jumped on the Lotus Elan. Which tells me that I'm more interested in a sports car than I am a hot rod. So, you know what? I don't need that hot rod anymore. So I sold it. It hurt my feelings because I'll never have the 32 Highboy that was on the cover of, like, you know, the Beach Boy album. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So I, building the hot rod, to answer your question, is there anything I haven't done, building the hot rod is something I, I miss. But, you know, I have to say I've, collecting cars that have a personality mean a lot to me. The Cobra, my Shelby Mustang, the Cunningham, those things. And racing means a lot to me. Road racing, driving race cars. I made my living in NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One for a while.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But for me, getting behind the wheel—I drive a fuel-injected Corvette, uh, '64 Corvette oh. at Lime Rock, at VIR Road Atlanta. That is, the, and it's not. It's—I don't care about winning. I could care less about winning. I just want to drive. I want to race. I could be racing for 14th place with a bunch of other cars next to me, in front of me, behind me, and I know all of us are grinning inside our helmets because we're having the time <laughs> of our lives. Absolutely. But finishing first means nothing to me. And then it's the people. If I race in vintage sports car racing, it's the people that really I'm in love with. You know, like at, after at the end of the day, everybody's got a beer. You know, there's a cookout going on. Come on over. Have a hamburger. I have a hot dog. I just love that whole environment. It's like it's like racing must have been when I was too young to do it, like in the 50s, mm, yeah. early 60s when I was 10 years old or something. And so I, 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 a couple times a year I go back and live the life that I never lived. If that makes any sense. Very cool. <laughs> uh, what else in your collection right now? I just sold a number of cars. I sold a GT500 Shelby with 32,000 miles, neat car. Oh. I sold a 69 GT350 Shelby. I sold my four-speed uh, country Squire, which is like the famous car. Yeah, I thing. watched that go on Bring a Trailer, and I was wishing I had room for it. <laughs> wow. It was such a cool car, but how many cars do I need? At that point, when I, you know, I started to sell cars, I had 21 cars. Like, how do I, I don't need that many cars. So that cool ranch, right? but it was so cool. The guy who bought it, he, he lived in New Jersey. He drove down to North Carolina with a rental car, parked the rental car, that, and then drove the wagon back, and he had such a good time driving it back. He said to me, "If you ever want to borrow that car for Barn Fine Hunter, it's yours anytime you want it." It's like, I, wow. I don't know if, cool. if Mark and Corey are familiar with that wagon. Can you tell them about it? Well, there was a one of one wagon that I found when I was doing Barn Find Hunter. I followed up a lead, and it was just imagine a, the biggest Ford Country Squire, nineteen sixty seven Ford Country Squire it had fake wood siding. It was all faded out. It had rust on the hood. It had dual facing rear seats. Oh my god! Oh, so wow. it's like a you know a nine hundred dollar car. But add to that, it had a 428 cubic inch engine and a four-speed manual transmission <laughs> and bucket seats and a console, the only one ever built by Ford Motor Company. It was uh, signed off by Lee Iacocca, who at the oh, time was okay. head of Ford, president of Ford Cars. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, you know, owning a car like that, it's like, wow. This... So I would drive that car on episodes or pull into a gas station or something like that. And people here said, yeah, cool, you're a dude, you know? Or, children, don't look at him, he's a homeless man. So, it went either way. You know, you had to have a that is you a-, had to have a strong stomach to, to handle that, the rejection. <laughs> you know, when his kids look at you like those poor, you know, they start saying prayers. So, after, <laughs> after the sell-off, what's left? I
1: know the Cobra's there, and I know oh, the let me tell you what else
4: is there. I there. So, I sold uh, the, the 32 Ford Highboy, a Sunbeam Tiger, so, I think I'm down to like 14 cars now. Okay. So, what's left? Uh, well, the Cobra. So, the Cobra is the last car I'll sell. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Shelby Mustang 66, really nice. It's a Hertz car, gold stripes, but it's white, oh, nice. not black. It's the best driving car I have. The Cunningham is three. 39 Ford Woody Wagon, which I bought when I was 15. Mm-hmm. A 53 Ford Tudor Wagon, which I bought when I was 18. Okay. Uh, Lotus Salon that I'm restoring, uh, Corvette race car, a Morris Minor race car, wow. a Mini Cooper race car, a Morris Minor Project race car, which will never be finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a, 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 an 85 Volkswagen GTI that I bought new. Cool. My wife and I bought it new. Cool. Uh, my daily driver is a, a BMW 3 Series wagon with a 6-speed. Really, I mean, the 3 Series wagon with a 6-speed is so cool, and. 2019 Ford F-150, an MGTD, three Datsun 510s. I have a Datsun 510 I bought for $250 in 1978. It was my race car. I sold <laughs> nice. it I, I sold it when I left New York to move to Charlotte. 26 years later, a guy calls me and says, I have your old race car in my backyard. I'm going to junk it unless you want it. Well, I'm restoring that car now, and I have two parts cars for it. Nice. Uh, and probably one or two other ones I can't think of. Very cool.
2: I, I think we were over yeah. ten, but maybe by yeah, one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now,
4: th- this is always my
1: favorite question. We ask this of everybody who's on the show, uh, even if you've been here more than once, because most guys have more than one story. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Statute of limitations. Keep that in mind.
4: Yeah, you. you <laughs> we, we're not telling anybody. I still own the car that I lost my virginity in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Hey, dude, that was the dumbest thing she ever did in a car. <laughs>
3: oh, wow.
1: Okay, well, that's good enough. We'll just leave it we'll at take that. It out. <laughs> yes. Well done, Tom. We've been Hello. speaking to Tom Cotter, of uh, host of Haggerty's Barn Fine Hunter series on YouTube. You can find all of Tom's social media links, his killer Instagram page. You've got to see the pictures he's got on Instagram. They're great. Uh, links to all the books he's got for sale on Amazon, and links to the Barn Fine Hunter, as well as his art- articles at Haggerty. You can find all of that at www.readthedriven.com. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. This has been great, and I'm glad. It was worth the wait. It was truly worth the wait, so thank you. <laughs> you thought I was going to flake out on you, too, right? <laughs> no, I, just, I know how stinking busy you are, and that's why I kept after you. I, it's just I, I I really wanted to have you on. I thought it would be good. It wound up being lots better than that, so thank you so very much. Uh, All right, guys. Have, have a good pandemic. Uh, really, <laughs> Thanks. really too, appreciate it, it. <laughs> and I hope I'll be have a chance to catch up with you somewhere uh, between now and next May. If not, I'll see you down at McPherson first weekend in May. Thank you. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com dot com and read the Driven dot com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at Driven Radio Show and everywhere fine podcasts are heard i am your host brett hatfield here with Corey pratt and catfish groves thank you for listening be kind to one another and we'll see you here next time on driven radio